Thank you. Please be seated. Good to see you today. Um, where are my Moval people? Any Moval people out there? Come on, get loud. I know you guys are a bunch of hillbillies. Where are you at? I love you. They're all shy. Hey, wake up out there. Are you awake? 9 a.m. chapel. I'm not even awake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What, what a great crowd. The masks really help. I appreciate that. It's a little, little less scary, some of you all. I will give Brother Gedge credit for my beautiful, wonderful wife. If you can find a girl that's your best friend, you definitely got to marry her. And if she can cook, it's a bonus, amen? And uh, we've been married 20 years this next year, been in ministry for 20 years. Let me say, I have struggled with what to say this morning so much. I've preached it before, had a burden before, but there's no time like today when you need to be out there in the ministry and not fooling around. Serious about souls. I know you hear it every day, every chapel, every week. Graduate. Rob a bank, you already have the mask. Get graduated and get out there. And then don't goof around. I goofed around a little while and I, I don't regret some of it. Some of it I regret. Brother Getch said a minute ago, I don't know what's coming, what's in the future. I can tell you what's coming. I can tell you what's coming. Turn the Bible to Revelations chapter 20. Probably a familiar passage this morning, but I just want to remind you what is coming. The days of this year, 2020, have been, you've heard it a thousand times, unique, unusual, crazy, upside down. But there's a day coming that's worse than that. Worse than anything we've experienced in these last nine months. And whatever will come in the next nine months, ten months, Nothing compared to this day. Nothing compared to this day. Revelation 1.8, stay in Revelation 20, but let me read you 1.8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. But I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free rule and reign. Use me. I'm nothing without you. Lord, I beg of your Holy Spirit to move. Get a hold of my heart. Get a hold of these young people's hearts. Help them to be serious about the things of the Lord and what you have for them ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at verse 11, Revelations 20. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven 
fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I've had some pretty bad days in my life. I've had some pretty good days, but I've had some pretty bad days. Can I tell you about one of the worst days I've ever had in my life? I don't know, but about eight years ago, I was home and doing living life, and I got that thing in the mail from the court that says, it's time for you to go and do jury service. Do you love that, Dr. R? I love jury service. Just a way to get a good long nap or read a couple of books. Now, it's changed. All we have to do is call in. Last couple of years, call in. We don't actually have to go in at the end of the day. But then you had to go in. You had to go in, and you had to sit there. They would separate you into this and that. I sat there for three days, stale coffee, a couple of good books, inviting some people to church, but honestly, a complete waste of my life. Anybody? Anybody remember those days? I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what are we going to do? Three days. Three days I'm just sitting there. Finally, they say, all right, we're going to take you into the courtroom. We're going to separate you, and some of you are going to sit in the jury box. We're going to start interviewing you for this case. We start going, and I sit in there for a whole day, and they're just talking to these people about who's going to be on this jury. Fourth day, fifth day, come back on the Monday. It's a whole week now, just sitting there. Fifth day, Monday, I come in. I'm not feeling good. I woke up that morning. You have to be there at 7 a.m. I don't feel so good. I got a fever a little bit. And this is before all of this stuff. And I walk into that jury selection room. They make me sit there a couple hours. Then you go into the courtroom. Is that Raymond? Hi, Raymond. Good to see you, buddy. And uh, hey, wait, wait a second. Bobby Yoder, is that his name? Are you awake? I heard you sleep through chapel. I'm watching you. Okay. So I'm in that courtroom, I'm waiting, I'm not feeling good, I'm not feeling good at all. Oh man, I, I make it to lunch, okay, I make it to lunch, and I'm just cut, starting to get the sweats, anybody ever got the sweats? Just kind of, whew, whew, not doing so good, what am I going to do? I go to my car for lunch. Spending time in your car in a parking garage is great fun when you're sick, I mean just great fun. I'm in there, and I... Lunch, I start throwing up, tossing my cookies, spewing out, whatever you want to call it, in the parking lot, good, clean fun. Are you awake out there? <laughs> I come into the courtroom early, and I'm hoping to get out of this thing. I'm, you know, I'm dragging myself. Now, you got to realize, this is Riverside, California. There's a huge old courtroom. They have a new courtroom. But the old courtroom is that big, echoey, ornate marble hall. 
Anybody? And you, if you have dress shoes on, you know, you get that clickety-clackety, clickety-clackety down the hall. If anybody goes, it goes. <laughs> anybody? Down the hall. Anybody with me? It has that, that musty smell. You go into the bathroom, you're like, some homeless people living here. This is great. And so I'm, I'm in this hall, and I'm, oh, I'm not feeling good. It's dead quiet lawyers rushing around, you know, with their briefcases and ladies in high heels just clickety-clacking down the hall. And I go up to the bailiff at the courtroom door there, and I said, sir, I'm so sick. How, how do I, what do I need to do to get out of this? I don't want to get in trouble. I don't need a warrant. You know, that'd be no good. And so he says, sir, I can't help you drink your, your lunch, and you're sick now. And I'm like... And I said, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic, really. I just, I just don't feel good. He goes, sir, go sit down. And right then, I just, there's a trash can there. I just threw up in that hallway. <laughs> down the hall. You want to be humbled? Hey, man. Everybody in the hall, looking right at me. The pastor. He said, sir, I don't care. I don't care what you did. You need to go in that courtroom. He's real snotty with me. And I'm like, I'm sure everybody wants to get out of jury service. You know, everybody wants to get away with it. So I'm like, what are we going to do? I go in there and they, I sit there about 10 minutes and they ask me to go to the jury box now. Immediately, I'm up on the jury box and I am, you know, you have that lull for a minute and then the stomach starts rumbling again. And it starts rumbling. And now I'm up high and lifted up as it were for all the world to see. And I'm going, dear Lord, please, even if the Catholics are right, please, please help me. And the bailiff leans over to the judge after about 15 minutes and says, Mr. Wilson, you know, they could tell him whispering, they had a low. And the judge looks up from his room, his throne there and says, Mr. Wilson, I heard that you're not feeling well. I don't think you need to go home, but, and right then, I swear, right then, I dove off of the platform down to the where the lawyers are, the table, the nice little metal wastebasket. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I am talking the most embarrassing moment of my life. The judge says, oh, I see that you really are sick. I'm like, you know, a little vomit, you know. Yeah, I think so. He's like, do you want to go home? No, I think I'll stay. It'll be fun. You guys got some checkerboards? Let's go for it. He's like, would you like to be signed off for the day or the year? Hello. If I could get out of this thing. So he says, okay, you can go home. I go home. I rest. Talk about a bad day. I've had, I bet you've had worse days than that. But that was my bad day. These verses describe the final event of human history. God is putting the last period on the last sentence of the last paragraph of the last page. This is the final judgment of all who die lost, never have repented and received Christ as their Savior. This is serious. We need to give it our full attention our full focus. It's not easy to talk about God's awesome judgment. Take no pleasure in thinking about anyone being thrown in the lake of fire. 
for all of eternity. God takes no pleasure in it either. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for our sins. God never made hell for people. Hell was created for the devil and his angels and the people who end up in hell have rejected God and his free gift. If we say no to God's provision, then the only alternative is, I'm preaching to the choir, right? They know this, right, Dr. Gatch? They, you guys are still teaching this, right? Good, good. God loves us. God so loves us so much that we can just repent of our sins, turn from our wicked ways, and he gives us eternal life. Thank you. One amen. Hallelujah. I think eternal life is a great thing, don't you? I think that price that he paid on the cross for us is an amazing thing. I think that God in heaven would look down on me, Donnie Wilson, Cortez, Colorado, average student at West Coast, maybe a little below average, that he would die for me. That's amazing to me. What we now look at is the darkest hour in human history. This is the supreme court of the universe. All the lost will be judged, and after the verdict is read, it's final. It's done. It's over. There's no debating who won and who lost. There's no polling about it. It's done. It's settled. It's over. There's no appeals. The sentence is life and death and death row and torture all wrapped up in one with no, eten- no end, no parole. It's eternity. This is not what people want to hear today, but you can't argue with God. You can try, but it's not going to go good for you. If I've ever preached a sermon directed from God's word, it's this. There are seven aspects of this courtroom. I'm not going to go into all seven. We might look at one and a half today. But seven aspects of this throne. We have the courtroom, the judge, the accused, the evidence, the defense, the verdict, and the sentence. We're not even going to get all into that. But this morning, I want to think about this courtroom, this amazing courtroom. Look at verse 11. It says, the great white throne. The great white throne. These three words represent three things. Great speaks of power. A lost standing before this throne will be overcome with the incredible sense of power, awe, and fear. Some talk flippantly about the things that are going to do in the presence of God. They won't. It won't happen. The person who never got saved will not be able to do anything but weep and tremble before God. There will be no hiding. Be, their mind may go back to the time that they took the names of the Lord in vain. They'll go back to that joke that they made about God. They'll go back to all those things, those times that they found a flyer on their door or somebody invited them to church. But there will be no fooling around that day. That great and awesome power of God will be there. Hell for company and heaven for climate. I always did prefer climate, company instead of climate. Amen? I love good company. 
Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. It's a fearful thing. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12.29. A consuming fire. How, how dare we think we could ever stand before God and be anything, listen, but speechless. Anything but in awe and scared to death. Literally afraid for our lives. How could we ever think that? Notice the judgment begins with what? It says the great white throne. And the judgment, it says, verse 11, and the earth and heaven fled away. Earth and heaven fled away. Think about that. All will realize everything they ever lived for is gone forever. Everything they ever put before God is gone. All their possessions, all their pleasures, all their popularity, their prestige, all their family, all their children is gone. The earth is ran away like a scared cat. Done. Out of there. Anybody ever felt like this this year? Everything that you knew and hold dear is just changed completely. Did anybody have that sick feeling in the bottom of their stomach? Anybody? This day, there's not even a place to hide from that sick feeling. The earth is gone. It's done. It's over with. It's you naked before God. No possessions, no power, no prestige. It's gone. No family. Talk about lonely. It's been an isolating year, hasn't it? A little bit Weird in that way, quieter. Talk about alone. I know that in our, our city, the amount of suicide and drug abuse and things has gone skyrocketed just because no contact, no, no interaction. This day, <laughs> you think you had some lonely days this year. This is a scary day. Are you with me today? Somebody say amen. Somebody say that I'm awake. I'm awake. Good. All three of you. Hear this, in the end, all we'll have left is our soul. No matter the power, the prestige, the family, the name. No wonder Jesus said in Mark 8, 36, for what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Think about that. And so the word great stands for power. White, great white, speaks of purity. This speaks of the unapproachable purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this important? Because many on that day will stand before God and want to say, I'm a good person. I'm better than, I'm better than, I'm better than. I'm a good person. But that will mean nothing compared to his unapproachable purity. The only way you or I can be pure enough to stand before God is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. Isaiah 1.8, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Psalms 51.7, purge me now and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. For those of you that grew up in Lancaster, snow is that cold stuff that falls down from the sky, covers the ground once a year if you go to Big Bear, okay? The rest of you know what it is. We see the power, it's great. We see his purity, it's white. We see the throne. 
speaks of, here's the word, you ready? This is the word of the potentate. I love that word, potentate. Raymond, that's a good word, isn't it? God himself will be in charge on this day. He will call the shots on this day. I know today they, name, they drag the name of Jesus Christ through the mud, make fun of his followers, laugh at what they do. But on that day, on that throne, the power, the pure, the potentate, the creator of all the world, the one who breathed the breath of life into them, the Savior who died on the cross for them will stand in their place, the spirit that convicts their heart the time after time, urging them to repent and be saved. He has allowed them a free will, a free will for years. Don't tell me that God isn't merciful. Years, years. And today you have the power of the internet to know and see and hear and do everything you ever wanted to do. To hear the word of God is so easy today. And yet to reject and reject and reject and reject, ignore, waste time, years come and go. But on that day, God sits on the throne as the almighty potentate. First Timothy 6.15, which is his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You know what? I don't care who is president. I know who the king is. And I don't know about you, but I'm his child. Woohoo! I'm his child. No matter what happens, he is in control. He is the one that has the true authority and power. I think, like in the Old Testament, maybe we need a president that's not so good. Maybe we need to go into captivity and figure it out. I don't like that, but maybe that's what needs to happen. I've been praying, Lord, you do what you need to do, and I'm going to follow. Because there's some good revivals in that Old Testament when those people got into oppression and trouble. Remember that? Do we still have Old Testament survey? Amen. That's good. That's good. You could learn a lot. Here's the question. You will either put him on your throat, <laughs> you will put him on the throne of your heart, or you'll stand before him at that great white throne judgment. Listen. You say, Pastor, you're talking to a bunch of college students. You will either put him on the throne of your heart or you will stand at this day. You will stand at this day with nowhere to hide, nowhere to run, no one to turn to, no one to text, no YouTube video to watch. You will stand there and you will realize how great he really is and how pure he really is and the throne that he is sitting upon, high and lifted up. He is the potentate. The next, phrase, the next phrase, there was found no place for them to hide. Literally means no place to run, no place to hide. In the Garden of Eden, Adam sinned and tried to hide behind the tree. There's no trees on that day. When Jonah sinned, he tried to get on a boat and get out of town. No transportation on that day. No fig leaves to hide the ugly nakedness of our exposed sin. Nowhere to run, every excuse stripped away. It's one on one sinner and the Savior and the great white throne. Who's the judge on that day? That's a good answer right here. God, one person knew that one. Hallelujah. That was like a kindergarten answer. We're in the three and four-year-old's class. 
God. We're a church. God's always the answer. Amen. I don't know who you are. I'm sorry to pick on you, but that's what you get for sitting in the front. Yoda, are you still awake back there? Okay. Barely. The judge, him that sat on it. Who is the judge of the universe? You know, we say God, but the reality is, it's not God the Father. It's not God the Father. I remember when I realized that, it blew my mind. My, my brain just oozed out of my, the ears. I was like, whoa, not God the Father. John 5, for the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgments unto the Son. Can you imagine that day? The world is gone. He is high and lifted up. The pure, the powerful potentate. And you turn and look, and it's the one with the scars in his hands. It is the one that said, not my will, but thine be done. It's the one that said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Can you imagine that day? You just need to take a moment here. Focus in. Listen to the Holy Spirit this morning. That day is amazing. That day is scary. That day gives me the willies, and I'm saved. It's the sweet Savior, the Gospels, the Lamb of God. But he's no longer the Lamb of God on that day. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. The redeemer is now the ruler. The savior is now the sovereign. He's the sovereign. Acts 17, 31, because he hath appointed a day in that which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead Let me, let me picture this real quick for you. I like to go deep sea fishing. I try to go at least as much as I can, amen? Two or three times a year, I go with a couple of guys from the church. You can go out to Newport Beach. 100 bucks, Groupon, 100 bucks, especially if you have your own rod. It's not too bad. It's three, it's three quarter day is what it's called. It's uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Whoo, that's a day right there, deep sea fishing. Last time we went, we caught a bunch of uh, Dorado and some other stuff. It was fun. It's a good, clean, fun. Imagine that day I'm out there, and all of a sudden the boat starts to sink for whatever reason, and I go under. Another boat comes along. Ah, I'm not a very good swimmer, okay? Just, just to let you know that. But I'm not a very good swimmer. I start to sink down. This boat comes along, saves me. One old man comes along, throws me that life preserver, drags me into the boat, drags me to the shore, gets me going, buys me some in and out. Hallelujah. And on we go. I'm going to go with life. Imagine that. Two years later, two years later, I get in trouble. Can you imagine that? Me getting in trouble. I stand with that police officer. He's got those uh, zip ties on my arms. Amen. He walks me into that courtroom and he says, you're going to be judged. You're going to go to jail. I'm like, yay, fun. The judge walks in from that side room. He's got his robes on. He walks up and I go... I know that guy. I know that guy. That's awesome. That's the guy that saved me. That was the guy in the boat. That was the guy in the boat. Hey, judge. Hey, judge. Remember me? 
And he goes, I remember you. Sit down. Bailiff, if he moves again, we'll put him in contempt. Judge, it's me. Remember? That day I was your savior. But today, I sit up here on this throne. I'm your judge. Nothing can change about that. Do you understand that thought? There was a day when he was our savior. But on this day, it's too late. It's done. He's no longer the savior. We have the accused. I'm not going to go into it. The nobodies, the big shots, the CEOs, they'll all stand before him and give an account. We talk about hell here in this chapter. You'll be cast into the lake of fire. Doesn't matter who you are, president or pauper, stand before him. The evidence, the books that are going to be opened here, it's going to be a scary day. I think God takes good records. Anybody? I think he knows what's going on. And then I think he gave us this book to warn us, did he not? The evidence will be open. There'll be no running from the evidence. You say, how can God do this? He knows. He's, he's got running tally of everything. Every word, every deed, every... Think about this, Christian. Every thought. You say, well, it happened behind closed doors. It won't matter. There's no closed doors with God. One book, two books will be open. God's standard of righteousness is perfection. Anybody perfect in here? No. Revelation 21, 27, There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but that which is written in the Lamb's book of life. All that will matter is what's in that book on that day. Nobody's perfect but Christ, and that's why you have to receive him. Do you know the day that you received him? Do you remember that day? Waterflow, New Mexico, October 1984. My dad was going into evangelism out of that church. Didn't turn out too good. A pastor came in, John Melanson, preached on hell. I was... Uh, I don't know, 1984, I'd have been third grade or second grade, I guess, second grade. We walked to church that day. I only lived two or three blocks from the church. So we walked every Sunday. We went to church. That day, there was a ditch. I played in that ditch and got soaking wet. My mom was so mad. She said, I don't care. You're late. We're going to be late. You're going to church soaking wet. I did this into the back of the Sunday school room. With the wet shoes, anybody? Yeah, that's embarrassing. Even as a second grader. Pastor preached. I came forward. His, his wife dealt with me. I didn't want to go to hell. It's good. Afterwards, I got saved there, but afterwards my mom took me in her room when we got home. She opened the word of God, walked through that. I was saved. I remember uh, my junior year, not in this building. This building didn't even exist. You guys have it so easy. Over there in that auditorium. Is it still an auditorium? It is for now, huh? I remember pulling Brother Lester aside and saying, Brother Lester, I got some doubts. We walked through it. 
You know, I had some sin in high school that was haunting me, and I needed to get it right. Hey, let me tell you, the sooner you do that, the better off you'll be. Get it right. Get it figured out. Call your dad. Call whoever you need. Get it confessed. 1 John 1, 9, okay? And figure it out, and then move forward. And I move forward. Satan hasn't hit me with that one again. Hallelujah. God's standard is perfection. Get it figured out. What's the defense on that day? What do you, how do you defend against God in that courtroom? The great white throne of judgment? You don't. You don't defend. Hebrews 9, 27, And as it is appointed unto man once they die, but after this, the judgment. There's no mercy. There's only judgment at this point. If you want grace, it has to happen before you die. Are you with me still? What's the sentence? Just quickly. A literal lake of fire for all of eternity. Right now, if you've been listening to the Holy Spirit today, there's somebody that God has placed on your heart right here and right now that is going to this courtroom. I stand here this morning telling you it is your job, your duty. No matter the scariness, no matter the mass, no matter they won't take a track, they're afraid of the world right now, no matter who's president, I'm telling you right now, this day is coming. And if you don't stand there and say, don't go there, you want to see some tears in heaven? You want to see some tears in heaven? You're going to stand there and go, why didn't I... Who cares about the coronavirus? Who cares who's president? What matters is this day is coming. And if we don't get out there and do something about it, who cares about America? Did I say that? I love America. But what matters is this day is coming. America is going to come and go. Uh, Nations rise, nations fall. You know who's in charge of that? I think his name is called the potentate. The sovereign. It's happened for history, for all of history. One rises, one falls. Napoleon, whoever, Alexander the Great. You're reading in that Old Testament, all those kingdoms that come and went, divided, split. You know who orchestrated that? This guy at this day. He's outside of time and space. He's outside of that. And it is a wonderful privilege that you and I, oh, you're getting some of the Holy Spirit right there, brother. He's outside of that, and it is our job. It's amazing. Yoder, I've been picking on you, man. It's amazing that he said, you get to be my ambassador. Are you taking it serious? You say, Pastor, you don't understand. It's so hard at Walmart now. Everybody's, suck it up, buttercup. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand in that day having that opportunity to tell somebody about Christ. Because we're not going to be here. If you're saved, you're not going to be there. You're going to be the other one. Remember the other one? What's it called? I just drew a blank on it. The judgment seat. Thank you. It's going to be a good day. But all those that you ran into, you bumped into, you had the opportunity, those you work with right now, those that you, co-workers that you are working beside and they know you go here and you have been a sissy lala to invite them to church. You've not 
Invite them. You haven't taken that lunchtime and said, hey, let me show you some verses from the Bible. Hey, dude, don't, don't, take, don't take the boss's time, but take your time. I might get fired. Hallelujah. But they won't go to hell. Do you understand that? Do you really understand that? What are you going to do to keep people out of hell? I'm going to tell you one story and I'm done. About five years ago, family joined our church. Sean and Brittany Lavenant. Got to disciple him. They came. He was an entrepreneur. He is an entrepreneur. Always working, always moving, always buying this house and flipping it and getting involved in this stock market thing and just making it happen. He knows everybody. Bilingual, Spanish, English. So I was always calling him, hey, I need somebody to do some plumbing. I know a guy. He doesn't speak any English. Just let me know and I'll let me get it figured out. It was great. I loved him. He tells me about this guy named Ron. He says, I was getting ready to move into the house that we live into now, and it needed some work. We put some lights in, and we wanted to do this and that. And he says, I know a guy. His name is Ron. Ron's really slow in the sense of, in the sense of he works really slow, but he does the best work. Electrician, it's amazing. He does the best work. I said, okay, if you trust him, Sean, I'll hire him. So he comes to the house, and the guys are scraping the ceilings, and he's going to put all these can lights in my house, get on those LEDs, you know, and... And Ron starts working, and the dude is a snail. I mean, a snail. If I was not doing this because Sean said it, I would have fired him at the end of the first day. I mean, holy cow, my three-year-old moves faster than this. What are we going to do? But immediately, God pricked my little heart. He says, Ron needs the Lord. Now, you could tell Ron, kind of tall and skinny white guy, kind of disheveled a little bit. Missing a bunch of teeth. That's always a clue, missing a bunch of teeth. Bad he was on drugs or is on drugs. So I asked my friend Sean. Sean says, he was, he's off. He used to be a mover and shaker, CEO of a company, had a big contractor business, but got on meth, lost his wife, kids. He says, he's living in a trailer that I'm renting him, and I'm not even charging him because I know he'll be out on the street. I'm like, wow. So I, he gets done with the job at my house. Takes him forever. But he's around my house. I'm like, yeah. Wait, make him a sandwich. Let me sit with him. I'm going to come home for lunch. Hey, Ron, you need to come to church. Well, he's kind of shy. He's been hurt. You can tell he's been hurt. He's devastated. He's a mess. Finally, my sister, why don't you invite him over to Thanksgiving dinner? Thanksgiving dinner, I want this guy in my house. It kind of smells funny. But we always have a lot of people at Thanksgiving, amen? Thanks, Dr. R, for the example on that one. But I said, okay, let's have him over. He comes. It was weird, awkward. We got through it. I keep witnessing to him. Keep witnessing to him. Give him the gospel. Give him the gospel. Nothing. He comes to church one one time, and eh, take a couple of weeks, he's not coming back. I'm like, come on, come on. Twice he comes. He gets sick, kind of gets sick, this cold and flu, I thought. 
Gets better, yay. Gets evicted. Sean says, I got to sell the property that he's living in. I sell it. He starts living in his van. In 1984, Aerostar, I think. He says, says Pastor, I, I, I'm finding jobs at the church for him. Every time I can find something for him to do, I can afford to pay him. I'm like, Ron, come, come fix this. If you go to our office, he built the secretary's desk. We have a, you know, a welcome center type secretary's desk. Sits in our foyer there in the office. And he built it from scratch. It took him decades to build. It's nice. It's actually really nice, but it's really, really slow. Everything I can think of. Every time I get him around, hey, I have a work crew of older guys that come on Tuesdays that do maintenance around the church. I said, hey, get him involved and take him to lunch. Witness to him, okay? Every moment I got a chance, he gets sick again, ends up in the hospital. Me and a guy named Richard Cribbs go and visit him in the hospital. I say, Ron, I don't know what's going on, but you need the Lord. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to stand, sorry, at the great white throne judgment. You need to, I don't know. A couple days later, he calls me. I'm not doing good. Can you come visit me again, Pastor? I said, yeah. Come down there to the hospital. Ron, you need to get saved. Go through the gospel. Nope. Nope. He's not doing good at all. I'm thinking days. He's not doing good, the... the the drugs that were in his body is just, his organs are shutting down now. Ron, you need to get saved. No, nope. no. Nope. Calls me a couple hours later. Pastor, come down. I want to talk again. Come down. Open the word of God. You know the story. He got saved. Two hours later, in eternity. He was a smelly, weird dude. But I'm so glad that he's not standing in this courtroom. Who do you know that needs the Lord? Set aside the cares of the craziness of this world right now. Who has the sovereign put on your heart that needs the Lord? Because it is our job to make sure that they do not stand here. Barring whatever is going on in your life, barring whatever is going on in America, whatever is going on in the White House, it doesn't matter. What matters is Revelation 20 is coming. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm so thankful that my sins are forgiven and I won't stand here. But there is a day coming. This courtroom, this judge, the accused, the evidence will be opened. The defense will be none. The verdict will be spoken. And the sentence will be handed out. I'm going to say it, Christians in this room, Christians in this room, those who are training for the ministry, those who want to be pastors and Christian school teachers and those that want to be missionaries on the field, 
Who is not going to stand at this great white throne judgment because of you? Who have you tenaciously gone after? Who have you prayed for and, and worked on and went after and invited over? And even in this weird society we live in today, it doesn't stop. The time will run out and it'll be done. The courtroom will be there. The earth will be fled away. And it'll be too late. Maybe there's someone here to say, Pastor Wilson, I'm not sure I'm saved. I can't think of a better place to get saved than right here and right now. Don't stand at that great white throne. Maybe, no, there's no maybe. I guarantee it. If you're saved and in tune with the Holy Spirit this morning, there is somebody that God has placed on your heart. There is somebody that God has put in your path that you have ignored and deadened that sense to the Holy Spirit. And he is saying, his time is short, and I know it. It's your job, Christian. It's your job to look past cultural, whatever it is, and say, I'm not going to let them stand at this great white throne judgment. I'm going to do everything I can.